My guest today is psychiatrist and author Dr. Hyla Cass from Los Angeles, who is a highly acclaimed innovator and expert in the field of integrative medicine, psychiatry, and addiction recovery, with whom I had the great pleasure of co-authoring a book, Natural Highs, uh, in 2001. At that time, Dr. Cass was an assistant clinical professor at the University of California, Los Angeles, or UCLA. She is known for her non-pharmaceutical approach to mental illness. Today, we are focusing on improving mood, on beating depression, basically, and finding a way up from down. Hyla, hi. Hi. <laughs> nice to be here. Uh, good to hear your voice. Now, over here in the UK, with these two years of COVID, we've had a big increase in depression. I was even looking last year, the uh, number of prescriptions for antidepressants rose to uh, 79 million, and that is to a population of 56 million in England. Uh, one of these, sertraline, particularly went up from 79 million to 100 million. So there's a very big sort of trend of increased prescriptions, increased people with depression. Is a similar thing totally. happening? In the U.S., absolutely, yes. it's been disastrous, particularly among young people, children, mm. adolescents, young adults. Uh, I read an article where it said one in four um, teenagers had contemplated suicide. They didn't attempt suicide; they contemplated suicide in the in the past um, short while since the start of. COVID restrictions, because can you imagine being a teenager when your whole life is about socializing and you're isolated from your I, peers? Yeah, no, I mean, there are some terrible sort of social psychological issues. And we'll talk about that because standard treatment for depression, other than psychotherapy, which I would like to go into, is antidepressants. But going back 20 years, you were arguing the case for natural remedies. I remember you were the first on the block talking about St. John's wort and then 5-HTP. Uh, so, but before we get into those other natural approaches, has the type of antidepressant changed? Well, they've become more complex. So rather than the, um, so there was the first, um, like the amitriptyline and, um, the ones that were uh, probably had more side effects. I'm not sure that they really did, but then the SSRIs were supposed to be an improvement where they, uh, the SSRIs serotonin reuptake, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors were supposed to be an improvement, but I've seen plenty of side effects on those. And, and, those, and those SSRIs, they're things like Prozac, Lustral, Lustral, um, Seroxat, uh, sertraline. I mean, there are different names, I think, in the U.S. Sometimes. Right. We have different names. So um, I, I'll defer to you on the. Yeah. Um, and they, they were the sort of miracle new drug. But of course, like all drugs, they go off patent. So where, where are we at now? So uh, we now have SNRIs, and that is serotonin. Um, and dopamine reuptake inhibitors. So they're more complex things like, well, we have a Fexor, um, and I mean, I, I've, it's just been really difficult, a Pristique. It's been difficult when people are on them and they have side effects and they wanna get off the medication because 
what we actually find is that people not only have side effects, but they don't have the antidepressant effect anymore. So they're kind of stuck because when they wanna go off the medication, there are serious withdrawal issues, particularly with the SNRIs. And it has to be done very carefully. And the way I do it is I add in the amino acids that will support the brain chemistry because the brain chemistry has been depleted by these drugs. So it's, it's kind of a mess. You know, one of my uh, things that I do in practice is help people get off of medication and to do it safely and effectively, we add in other nutrients to support brain function. And that's not done mainstream. And in fact, mainstream medicine or mainstream psychiatry does not approve of taking people off medication. I mean, these, these drugs... Yeah, this is the, here we have Cymbalta, Effexor, um, Duloxetine. It's all, uh, these not only block the serotonin reuptake inhibitor, and serotonin is, of course, uh, made from the amino acid tryptophan. And then the N stands for noradrenaline, which is part of the dopamine cascade. And uh, the, that is actually made from tyrosine. So before we look at how to mitigate the effects of coming off these drugs. What happens when people do try to come off SNRIs? What sort of symptoms do they experience? Um, anxiety, terrible anxiety, sleeplessness, suicidal ideation. Uh, it's really serious, really scary. Um, first of all, we have the suicidal ideation that occurs with the SSRIs and the SNRIs, particularly in younger people. I mean, there's even a black box warning on some of the SSRIs uh, to that effect. So the black box warning that they may cause suicidal ideation, the psychiatrist is supposed to ask if that, if people are thinking of um, killing themselves. And it, it really happens and it's really scary. Then getting off of the medication is another uh, time period when people are very susceptible to suicidal ideation. And it's, it's such a tragedy when that happens, when people actually have successful suicide, which means they kill themselves by cup as part of withdrawal from medication. So um, we do it differently. <laughs> we yeah. do it by, by supporting the brain chemistry. So you and I have the understanding that the longer you're on a medication that blocks the reuptake of serotonin or noradrenaline, the more depleted you're going to become uh, in those vital neurotransmitters. And therefore, any process of, of coming off those drugs should A, be done very slowly and B, with the support of the amino acids. Uh, right, you need to rebuild the brain. Yeah. And what amino acids do you use and what sort of dosage just to sort of have us in the right ballpark? Well, 5-HTP for the, um, the serotonin part. We, so we start with 5-HTP. We can start with 50 milligrams, uh, often 100 milligrams is, is really okay. And we recommend taking them uh, several hours apart from the medication because there is the theoretical occurrence of something called serotonin syndrome. Serotonin syndrome occurs generally when you have two SSRIs or that, that will enhance 
the serotonin effect and you get what is an effect serotonin poisoning, which is dangerous. So in order to prevent that, which I say is theoretical because I haven't really seen it happening, but you keep the 5-HTP separate from the SSRI or the SNRI. So you start with that and you gradually build up the dose. Uh, I've had people up to say 300 milligrams of 5-HTP. Um, and as you're raising, and this should be done under medical supervision, as you're raising the 5-HTP, you're lowering the medication. And a good rule of thumb is about 10% every 10 days. Mm. And it's very individual. And do you, do you also get tyrosine? Do you get tyrosine or phenylalanine? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll start with the 5-HTP and just see how they're responding to that and then add in tyrosine to cover the dopamine aspect, the norepinephrine aspect, the catecholamine, which the, the catecholamine family. Uh, so that will take care of that part of the depletion. <laughs> And of course, the million dollar question is, are there better natural remedies? And probably a good place to start um, is with 5-HTP, because I was reading a very interesting report recently that really said the, um, the reality of, if you like, overdosing on serotonin by combining 5-HTP with antidepressants was not a reality. And that the 5-HTP was, on the one hand, very effective as an antidepressant. On the other hand, even more effective, or it makes the antidepressant more effective. And also, uh, interesting new finding was that if it's um, somehow slow-released, uh, then it lasts for much longer. That was the main criticism of 5-HTP. It, it lasts for a few hours, while the antidepressants apparently last for longer. So... Is 5-H to be an actual competitive contender as an antidepressant? Oh, absolutely. And that's where you and I would start. You, we would start with the 5-HTP and not even go with the medication, which is fraught with side effects and isn't really working physiologically. What it's doing is preventing the reuptake um, by the cell, the, the reuptake and breakdown of the serotonin molecule. So it keeps bouncing around and giving more hits. So the brain is fooled into thinking there's more serotonin than there really is, but eventually it does wear out and you do deplete the serotonin supply. And then the person is taking the antidepressant, but it's ineffective because there's no serotonin for it to work with. So enter at 5-HTP, which is a precursor. We also supply B vitamins and some minerals as cofactors that will help make serotonin. And then, then you actually have a better effect from the medication and the withdrawal from the medication is, if, if they're already on medication, is much easier. So what are these other you mentioned uh, vitamins, minerals, B vitamins, etc. But what are your other uh, sort of go-to natural remedies that help give people a boost, a lift, improve their mood? Well, um, St. John's wort 
which actually I haven't used for a while, but uh, because it does interact with with other with medications, people may be on birth control pills, and that it interferes with those. So, but but it is a highly effective antidepressant. So, for males who are not on birth control or women on not on birth control, it, it's actually a, a good one. Uh, and do you know that scalidium, remember we wrote about scalidium in natural highs? Uh, yes, a, a very interesting South African herb. Right. So it's actually come out as a, a, a supplement. It's now available. I remember at the time it was not available. It was in South Africa. We couldn't, we couldn't really get it as a finished product. We mm-hmm. only could get the raw herb. So that is actually quite an effective antidepressant. Yeah, that makes sense. Again, it works on the on the serotonin pathway. Right. So we have we have really lots of ways of uh, increasing serotonin and dopamine naturally, mm-hmm. uh, and we don't, for the most part, don't need to resort to medication. I mean, I know I don't. I don't use medication as as a first resort at all. In fact, Mm -hmm. it's not the second resort because what happens is if you're on track with good, by the way, you have to have a good diet as well. You can't just take the amino acids. So we need to be, I'm sorry. Yeah, and what about omega-3 and vitamin D? They are essential for good mood. And so many people are depleted in vitamin D. They're not getting enough sunlight for sure. And you need quite a bit of sun, sunshine to give you the vitamin D. It's made in the skin by skin exposure. And uh, particularly in the UK where there's a lot of rainy days and people, you know, you don't walk around in a bathing suit <laughs> exposed to the sun. So, and that's why, by the way, people feel so much better when they when they go to the beach because they're enhancing their vitamin D uh, levels. Yes. I heard a very good. That's all. Yeah, go ahead. I heard a very good uh, rule of thumb, which is basically if your shadow is longer than the height of your body, then you're not making vitamin D. Right. Because you need stronger sun. Yes. uh, Closer, closer to midday. So that's why us Brits are renowned being a little bit, grumpy and miserable. We don't get enough from October through till really about April, I'd say. Right. So it's really important to be measuring your vitamin D levels and, or you say vitamin D and uh, increase it. I mean, I like to see them like 80, 90, and it protects you against viral conditions like COVID. I mean, Mm -hmm. that, that was one of the issues that people who succumbed, who had worse cases, um, were the ones who were very low in vitamin D. So really important to keep your D level up for your mood, for your for the antiviral and anti-infection um, capability of your body. You mentioned the minerals. Uh, what about which minerals? Zinc, magnesium, chromium? What, what's your... <laughs> All of the above. It's 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 funny because we we know we separate them out because there's a recipe for making um, the way the way our our bodies make 
the neurotransmitters, but they all play a role. And they, and some of these play more than one role. You know, zinc is also really important for the immune system as well as for making neurotransmitters. Uh, and you mentioned the, by the way, the omega-3 is very important because our, our cells, our brain cells are largely made of fat and we need the omega-3 fatty acids to supply the um, substance for the brain cell. And without it, we can have uh, depression, anxiety, ADD, uh, you know, all kinds of brain, what are, what are thought of as psychiatric or psychological issues, which in fact are deficiency issues. And that's something we emphasized in Natural Highs and in, in our work today, that very often what we're looking at is a biochemical deficiency and not, um, you know, your mother abused you or whatever. It's, you're able, we're much more resilient when, our, when we're, we're stocked up, when our brain has all the right raw materials to make the neurotransmitters or the brain chemical messengers that help us to feel good, like serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, and GABA for being calm and relaxed. So it's, it's really, you know, we are biochemical as well as psychological and spiritual. So we need to pay attention to all of those. By the way, for those listening, while you say vitamins and we say vitamins, <laughs> you say norepinephrine and we say noradrenaline. They are the same things. They're the N in the SNRIs. Uh, I've seen recently you've been writing a lot about and researching CBD and hemp oil and its, its effects on mood and insomnia. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Now, CBD for a lot of people is a mystery and it's related to cannabis. And people think that maybe you can get high from it. Well, you don't get high. It's from the cannabis plant, which is the same plant that marijuana comes from, but it's bred to be hemp. And hemp has uh, a little different configuration. It's bred to be, uh, to have long, thick stalks to make paper and rope and cloth, but it also has flowers that yield CBD. And for a product to be um, legal over the counter, that is, you don't have to go to a dispensary for it in places where it's legal. Uh, CBD is defined as having less than 0.3% THC. So there is some THC content, but it's a lot less. And the CBD interacts with something called the endocannabinoid system, which is it's just so interesting because it was hidden in plain sight and we didn't know about it till the 90s. But the endocannabinoid system is a messenger system that conveys messages from uh, between all the cells in the body from the um, brain to the gut, the endocrine system, that is our hormones, the skin, um, all our organs, cardiovascular system, and so on. And so it has influences on every part of the body. Now we're, we're talking mostly about brain chemistry here, but it really affects the entire body. And uh, in terms of brain uh, effects, it's actually been shown to be excellent for anxiety, depression, dementia, addiction, post-traumatic stress disorder, and 
uh, really for all kinds of mental health issues. It's even been used for psychosis, for schizophrenia. Um, it, when compared with, and this, this was a, a study done in Europe where CBD was compared with a different, uh, with a medication and it did just as well, but without the side effects for schizophrenia. So there you go. It's really quite potent and quite useful. And it doesn't have side effects the way the medications do. Um, the other thing is that it works directly with the 5-HTA receptor, which is the serotonin receptor. So you get a really quick response. So it's a very fast acting antidepressant in effect. So, so it sounds like a win-win in that it affects everything in a positive way. And there's really, are there no conditions, uh, no adverse effects? So it's a very safe thing for us all to use. Uh, I have not seen adverse effects. What's reported is people may, may have, um, an, people may have an upset stomach and anybody can have any kind of reaction to something. So if someone has a side effect that is not officially in the book, um, I'm not going to say that they're making it up. It's that we have biochemical individuality. So but it's really not fraught with the kind of side effects that you get from the medications, which are, can be pretty disabling. Yes, over in the UK, we're, we're right at the point where um, CBD is sort of technically not legal, and uh, but various companies have had to submit their dossiers of toxicity and you know, really a onerous mountain of, of uh, studies they have to run. So we are hoping soon to have a legitimate legal CBD uh, products. But one of the issues that's always struck me is is, is dosage. How do you know how much to give? What's the sort of, it's not quite like, you know, vitamin C where you have one or two or three grams. So how does one know a good CBD hemp oil? How much should you be giving? Uh, you said it works quickly. Do you give it to people with low mood, anxiety, insomnia, et cetera, you know, just once a day or twice a day? How do we use hemp oil or CBD oil? All good questions. It works pretty quickly. I mean, I, I remember having this young man in my office who was kind of belligerent. He didn't want to be there. His mother had brought him, you know, 22 year old guy and was smoking a lot of weed. And he was highly anxious, belligerent and not sleeping well. Anyway, I said, uh, would you be willing to take some supplements? He said, no, they don't work. <laughs> that, was his, that was his response. And his mother wasn't too happy about that. And then I said, would you be willing to try CBD? And he said, yeah, okay. So I took some CBD in a dropper, put it under his tongue and uh, then went and spoke to his mother. She, she was sitting next to him there. And I, we talked for, I don't know, five, 10 minutes. And then I came back and said, so um, how are you feeling? And he looked at me and this was the first time he'd actually looked at me and made eye contact. And he said, Oh, I feel really good. And what happened was this had relieved his anxiety. He said, I haven't felt like this in a long time. And like, he was being friendly and making eye contact. And like, I actually was developing a therapeutic rapport with him. So that's how fast it acts. Wow, that's amazing. And that was just with a few drops. Now, he needed to have that CBD because 
he had what looked like THC toxicity. And this does happen. So I, I'm not against THC. And I think it has certainly has use medicinally, recreationally, but the THC these days has been bred to be very, very high. The, the marijuana has been very bred to be very high in THC. And for a lot of people's systems, it really overpowers the, their own system and makes them highly anxious, irritable, even uh, paranoid and psychotic. And they may end up in the emergency room. So for these people, it's really important to have a supply of CBD. And the CBD will actually help neutralize the THC. It acts right at the receptor to neutralize the THC, bring it down and bring the person down to a more comfortable place. And uh, much preferable to giving them medication, which then ends up being continued. You know, you know how that goes once somebody's on medication and they're labeled psychotic, that's not a good thing. So CBD is the remedy for excessive THC for those who are sensitive to it. And I'm not anti-THC. I really want to emphasize that because um, people get upset. <laughs> people get upset when they think I'm criticizing THC. So uh, you just have to be very aware of what you're doing and what your own physiology and biochemistry is. So well, I was talking to Dr. Rob Lustig, uh, another colleague of yours from the University of California, and I asked him about antidepressant prescriptions. He said they'd gone up in every state uh, across America, except those, and this was before COVID, by the way, that had uh, legalized marijuana. So that was quite interesting. Oh, totally. And it's been really good for post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm. And um, it, so there's now a there are studies in the military uh, using, uh, using CBD for post-traumatic stress disorder and, and using um, THC, but using it in, in, in not that super high proportion. You really need to have, you know, you can't fool with mother nature. The, the way, it, the way um, marijuana used to be, which was a certain amount of THC, which was what was occurring naturally, and the CBD and the other cannabinoids in the plant were neutralizing some of the heavy effect of it. And it worked well. But then when they started to make it super strong in THC, it upset the bat natural balance of the plant. So we have to then give extra CBD to these people. Now you said it works very fast, but how, how long does it last? In other words, do you recommend take, taking it twice a day, once a day, three times a day, what okay, sort of dosage? Okay. Yeah. So dosing, first of all, is very individual. And actually on my website, I go into more detail. So if you don't catch the detail now, you can find it on my website. Um, That's casmd.com. Right. And then it also relates to my other website where there's more specifics on CBD. So uh, what you do is you take a few drops 
and it comes in different dose sizes. The dose sizes that I carry are the 750 milligram per bottle, 1500 milligram per bottle, and 3000 milligram per bottle. And that's quite a spread. And some people will respond well to uh, say a half a dropper of the 750 milligram bottle. And that's gonna correspond to something like 12 and a half milligrams of CBD, whereas somebody else needs a whole dropper from the 1500 milligram bottle, and that is 50, five zero milligrams. So you can have someone responding to 12 and a half and somebody else needing 50 milligrams. And then, and that's because of your own endocannabinoid system. We have, people are tending to have low endocannabinoid systems these days. And that is due to diet, to stress, uh, to uh, maybe just a genetic predisposition to having a low endocannabinoid system, but we can raise the endocannabinoid system by providing CBD. And by the way, how do you know you have a low endocannabinoid system? Because we can't, we don't have lab tests right now to measure it. But if you have anxiety, depression, migraines, um, excessive pain, and you know, fibromyalgia and so on, you very likely have a low endocannabinoid system and can benefit from CBD. So it's not a panacea. It's just something that will raise the endocannabinoid system that influences all your systems. And the dosing is, as you can see, all, all over the place. So you can go up to even hundred milligrams a day. And then you're asking, you were asking, well, how often do you dose it? If you're taking the tincture that lasts a few hours. And again, it depends on your own metabolism. And the good thing is you can titrate it. You can feel when it's wearing off and you take another dose. The other thing is that you can actually use capsules and the capsules take a little longer to come on, but then they last longer. So in fact, at bedtime, cause it's great for sleep. Uh, at bedtime, I recommend that people take the tincture and they've already determined what their dose is. And uh, there are actually tinctures that have added terpenes that not, not only does CBD help you to sleep, it help, calms you down, relaxes you, but then uh, you can have added terpenes. Terpenes are the part of a, a medicinal part of all herbal plants. And uh, in, in the Canada, in CBD, we've added certain terpenes that are more relaxing. So you take that and then you take the capsule. So the capsule will last, take longer to come on, but last through the night and help you to sleep. And we know how important sleep is for mental health. And so many people are having trouble sleeping. So uh, it's been a real boon in that respect. And people report being able to fall asleep, stay asleep and wake up feeling really good, like they've slept and they can meet the day. I know another of your sleep favorites is GABA. Tell us a little bit more about GABA. GABA, GABA aminobutyric acid is a neurotransmitter that helps to calm you down. And we certainly need it. And people who are highly anxious will probably be low in GABA. So you can raise your GABA level by taking GABA, starting with say 100 milligrams, moving up to 200 milligrams. Again, you, you titrate it. Uh, and then for some people, rather than taking GABA, 
or in addition to taking GABA, which is the neurotransmitter and an amino acid, you can take theanine. And I would start at say 100 or 200 milligrams. And that is also calming. Now, the interesting thing about CBD is it actually helps to orchestrate and regulate the neurotransmitters. So when I, I'm, I'm using all the supplements, you know, the, all the ones that we've talked about, but adding in the CBD helps to regulate and um, increase the neurotransmitters. So it, it has it has an effect everywhere in the body, including in the brain where it works on the nerve cells that are making the neurotransmitters. By the way, it's also good for TBI. This is really important because traumatic brain injury has been poorly treated by mainstream medicine. And first we discovered the use of high dose omega-3 fatty acids and now we've added in CBD and it's a really good one-two punch. It really makes a difference in reducing brain inflammation and getting the person back to normal a lot quicker. And so to summarize, a low dose would be 10 milligrams as a good therapeutic dose, probably 50, a high dose, 100 milligrams. But that, what that actually means depends entirely on the concentration of the product or the tincture. So you've got to read the label and work it out. And most importantly, try it out for yourself, possibly splitting the dose into twice a day, but you may be able to start to work out what works for you and how long it works for. Is that correct? Exactly. And, and it's so individual that I can't even tell you how many times a day. People are generally taking it twice, maybe three times a day. Mm -hmm. They take it when they need it. And the, the good thing is you just take it as needed and it acts pretty quickly. So you have an instant, um, an instant medication that's not a medication. It's something that really works to regulate your brain chemistry and help you to feel good. So it's been a real boon to my work. And uh, I actually developed my own line because I wanted to have a better flavor and a different mixture and I have MCT oil in it. So um, I always like to do things myself where I have control over it. And speaking about having control over what you're taking, when you get CBD, you wanna make sure that you can get a certificate of analysis that shows that what's in it is what's supposed to be in it is, is actually in it. So that's from a third party. And for those listening, you want to dig deeper. There's lots of really brilliant articles on uh, Dr. Hyla Cass's website, which is cassmd.com. So we've spent a good chunk of our podcast talking about all these biochemical approaches to improving our mental health and mood and so on. Uh, but of course, uh, feeling depressed is not just a biochemical factor. It's also psychological. Could we talk a little bit more about uh, ways of dealing with the psychological side of things? What's your advice? How do you approach this with your clients? People do need psychological and social support. That it, It's not simply a matter of changing your chemistry, but psychotherapy works so much better when the brain's operating on all cylinders. So uh, 
I mean, I used to uh, visit addiction treatment centers if I had a patient there. And I, I mean, I was sometimes called in as a consultant to addiction treatment centers because I was adding in the supplements that weren't being used by the treatment centers. My patients always did better as well. So um, we, uh, and now I forget what I was, what I was saying, but. Um, well, basically that the nutrients help any mm -hmm. intervention work better. So with addiction, when you're trying to get someone off of a substance and replenish the brain, you add in a good diet and uh, supplements and the person can think more clearly. And I would see the other uh, patients in these facilities going around in a fog and they were in groups and they were getting psychotherapy. And I can't imagine that it actually landed, you know, because the, they were, they were foggy brained. Mm -hmm. And I also noticed that my patients that were taking the supplements were able to take in the psychotherapy so much more easily. Now, two of, the, two of the sayings I always loved about depression was depression is just anger without enthusiasm. Don't get sad, get mad. Uh, and the other I was once asked by, uh, uh, by Diana Whitmore, uh, who was head of the uh, Psychosynthesis and Education Trust, which is, are you betraying yourself? I thought that was a very good question. Are you living your life true to who you really are? So do you have um, you know, key questions, signs, ideas, that help to help someone understand what might be some of their psychological or spiritual roots of, of feeling really low or unenthusiastic? Well, I think you're right on. I mean, are you living the life you want to be living that your soul wants to be living? Uh, why are you here? I mean, a lot of existential questions that are very important to deal with at some point in your life and that actually the sooner the better. And uh, we, we need to explore who we are, why we're here, uh, and also get out of our own way in terms of holding on to old traumas and old memories that are actually interfering with our happiness now. And many people are suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder of one degree or another. You know, it doesn't have to be that you were actively abused. It could have been perceived neglect as a child where you were raised by relatively good parents, but there was some, some emotional neglect. All of this affects us and we carry it. And more sensitive people carry it more intensely. So it's the role of the psychotherapist to actually help to um, rewire the, uh, the old traumas and uh, rewire the brain and um, clear the old traumas. And there's, we have a lot of ways of doing this. We have EMDR, EFT, um, somatic-based uh, or body-based uh, methods like sensory experiencing, which was started by uh, Peter Levine. So we have, we have many methods 
for clearing out this old stuff so that you can be who you really are. Because if you have all this old trauma that's playing an old tape in your head, it's taking up a lot of energy, a lot of brain cells and interfering with your being who you can be and interfering with your ultimate happiness. So a good place to start is to clear up old traumas. Is there, uh, do you think there's a lot of people who are suffering from low mood and anxiety who have some level of post-traumatic uh, stress disorder but don't know it? And if so, what are the telltale signs? Well, you don't really know till you start to explore. Uh, you know, true PTSD or things like, uh, we all know about this, like shell-shocked um, military person. And now these soldiers who return from war and they, they jump whenever when a car backfires, they don't sleep, they wake up with nightmares, um, or they've had really horrible things happen uh, to them during their war experience. So that, that's pretty obvious. And sometimes it's just not so obvious and you don't know. And sometimes you need to do some exploration, ask some questions. Um, you know, what's your earliest memory? What's your earliest memory, your earliest unhappy memory? And you just keep exploring until you uncover something. And then you work with it again with EMDR, EFT, sensory experiencing, brain spotting. There, there are quite a few uh, trauma-oriented therapies now, fortunately. Which any, we, you know, any books that you might recommend particularly in this area for people who think this could relate to me? Good question. Um, nothing comes to mind, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, I know Peter Levine wrote uh, Taming the Tiger, so that that would be about sensory experiencing. Uh, Francine Shapiro has written books on EMDR. She developed, the, uh, she developed EMDR. Uh, I don't remember the titles, but you can find them, Francine Shapiro. Uh, EFT, there's tapping. Um, so Gary Craig started it, but then it was, and he wrote a book on it, and then other people have continued it. Now, do you have favorite books on uh, PTSD? I think, well, I mean, first of all, if you, for people listening who want to find a good psychotherapist, it might be worth asking if they do any of these techniques such as EMDR, which I've heard very good reports about, or EFT. Um, I liked uh, Laurel Mellon's book, Wired for Joy. And when you were talking about this sort of post-traumatic stress type situation, it sort of reminded me that if you're very on edge, you, you know, very overreactive. So it's this kind of instant, strong, emotional response to situations. That might be a clue that there's something going on underneath that's uh, you know, driving the situation. I do wonder uh, also what your opinion is on heart math. I love heart math. It's a very good uh, oh, tech. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. And in a sense, you know, we've always got these two things. There's a sort of be here now, you know, approach in life, how to just be present. And in a sense, heart math brings, does help to turn off a stress reaction and bring you into a more open present state. But then there's the other sort of approach, which would say you can't be here now until you've sorted out, uh, you know, these deep rooted 
you know, trauma patterns. And, uh, you know, one of the pieces of work there that I've both done and heard great reports on is, is the Hoffman process, which is a one-week highly intensive sort of psychotherapeutic um, emotional baggage clean-out. Right. Yeah, they really go deep and um, people really report great transformation from it. You do have to clean up that garbage, you know, because we're just creatures of habit and these things stay in. The original stress response is there for a reason. It's for fight or flight. We need it. But then it becomes built in and we're always fleeing or fighting. We're always in the stress response, as you say, being overreactive. So it really behooves us to root it out, clean it up so we can be in the moment and really, really be. And that brings a sense of peace, of joy, happiness, connection, connection with ourselves, with others, with the universe. So this is all, I you know, thank you for, for bringing that up because we need all that. Now the substrate is the biochemistry. And I, I think it's harder to do all that work when your biochemistry is not in order, when you're depleted. But it's, it's a combination of factors that help bring us to optimum mental health. Yes, and we've all spent the last two years sort of in a way in a fear fest of one sort or another. You know, have I got COVID? Will I get it? Has someone else got it? Uh, should I test? Am I following the instructions, you know, the rules and all the rest of it? So it, right. it feels... Losing, yeah. losing people, losing yes. friends and family. Yeah. Um, the isolation, as, as again, I mentioned earlier, the young people having that isolation is particularly um, really traumatic. So, so I, ho I hope in the year ahead, we'll have a chance to kind of come out of that um, trauma zone uh, so much and get our lives together, get our nutrition together, because of course, that's something you really can uh, always have control over. Are there other avenues you like to explore when helping someone with depression? I think neurofeedback is very helpful. And can you say, say a little you know, bit about that? Neurofeedback uh, attaches electrodes to the scalp. Uh, they're attached with a paste the same way as you have an electrocardiogram with leads that are connected with paste to different parts of your body. This, these are connected to the scalp and uh, send a signal and receive a signal from your brain and help to rebalance your brain waves. Very useful when coming off of medication, useful for depression, useful for anxiety, and useful for post-traumatic stress disorder because they're all reflected in different brainwave patterns. And what we're doing in effect is helping you to rewire your brain into more, um, more helpful patterns, more useful patterns, less, less pathological and um, be able to discover happiness once again, or maybe for the first time. So I, I really do like neurofeedback. And, and we need to take quite a few sessions. 
how do you find a practitioner? I'm not sure we have them in the UK. I'm sure you do in California, but how, what do you look for? How do you find a practitioner? You look up neurofeedback. Okay. And now heart math, of course, which is much easier. You clip uh, uh, a little device on your ear and it plugs directly into your phone. It's giving you feedback, not, not neurofeedback in terms of brain waves, but it's working out your heart rate variability, not your heart rate, but the pattern that occurs uh, in between them. And in a sense, this process of heart math, which we, I always teach in my retreats, um, is that, that's also going to help, I presume. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I went to the, the HeartMath headquarters uh, many years ago. And actually, Lou Doc Childress, who started HeartMath, mm -hmm. endorsed Natural Highs. <laughs> Excellent. The, the U.S. edition. Yeah. So that, that was quite a coup because he didn't usually recommend things. So that's, the, that's a full, full circle here. Good. Um, excellent. And of your books, which are the ones you would most recommend for people dealing with depression? I think Natural High still is the best one for that. Mm -hmm. Now, I subsequently, I wrote several other books. One of them was uh, Eight Weeks to Vibrant Health, which ultimately is going to deal with your mood, but it's also looking at the rest of your body. So it deals with um, digestion, a cardiovascular system, hormones, and so on. Uh, I also wrote Supplement Your Prescription about drug-nutrient interaction. So if you are on a medication, be aware that it could be depleting certain vitamins and minerals, and it can cause depression. So certain, certain medications cause depression because of depletion. So these are things to know about. Mm. Uh, but I still, <laughs> Natural Highs is still the one that's the most focused on that. And uh, I, I loved writing it with you. And I still, the, the book is still current. And I still have um, many people telling me how it, it, it works for them. I had I, a gentleman from an addiction treatment center. He said he gives it to all his patients there. So that, that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great to hear. I wrote a book called The uh, Feel Good Factor, which also looks at these topics. So I think the point is, if you are feeling down, anxious, out of sorts, there's lots of resources, things to read, um, supplements to take, uh, ways to get in control, uh, psychotherapeutic approaches. And Hilo, it's been fantastic to catch up with you across the ocean. Uh, you've always been at the leading edge of different approaches and integrative medicine and uh, bringing nutrition into the mainstream of psychiatry. So it's fantastic to catch up with you and hear your thoughts uh, as we go into psychiatry unplugged with a natural focus. So thank you massively for being my podcast guest. I wish you all the best. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful rest of your day.